most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. first reading from the book of Daniel in chapter 12 serves as the basis for the sermon today. The prophet Daniel in a vision gives us a peek into the future at what will happen at the last day and the life we can look forward to. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The word of the Lord. The six-year-old looks forward to his birthday. The 16-year-old looks forward to the prom. The 26-year-old looks forward to a promotion. The 46-year-old looks forward to a vacation. The 66-year-old looks forward to retirement. How do we say it? What's the phrase? I'm dying to open my birthday presents, he says. I'm dying to wear the prom dress, she says. I'm dying for the added salary and benefits. I'm dying to get on the cruise ship. I'm dying to sleep in every day and go for a walk wherever and whenever I want. Perhaps those references to dying demonstrate a casual view of a serious subject, as if to say, death? Nah, no big deal. But death is a big deal. And one day, we will all face it. So what's our attitude, our outlook about death, especially, especially when it strikes closer to home, when we're watching a loved one slowly slip away because of cancer, when we get the shocking news of a tragic death of a family member, when Aging begins to take its toll when we ponder that our own time on earth is drawing to a close. What's our attitude, our outlook? Avoid the subject, run away from it, cover our eyes and ignore it more often than we care to admit, especially when death swings his sickle and cuts short the life of someone we love, there is mixed with the sadness, fear. But can there be a new reality? Can we get a new outlook and a new attitude regarding death? Yes. 
What's impossible for people is possible with God, Jesus said. Today's first reading from the book of Daniel in chapter 12 shows us how our great and gracious God flipped everything around so that we are not merely living to one day die, but we are dying to live. We're dying to live. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego dumped into a fiery furnace because they remained loyal to the Lord. Daniel dangled like lunch meat in front of the eyes of hungry lions because he followed the true God. Yikes! Besides those historic accounts in this Bible book named after the prophet Daniel, there are also predictions of what will happen between the Old and New Testament the Old and New Testaments, the history that would happen. Nations getting crushed like grapes in a wine press and the people of God getting squeezed in the vice grip of death. A time of distress. Check the headlines. Watch the news. What do you see? What do you hear? Wouldn't you say 2018 is also a time of distress? Just when we see that world conflicts seem to be simmering down, local crime seems to be boiling up. Just when waves of violence in the streets seem to be ebbing, sure enough, the economy moves toward low tide. And if that's not enough, we have to deal with hassles at work or with a crumbling relationship to say nothing of the unexpected onslaught of disease that can sometimes land us at home or in the hospital. And then we stand and look in the mirror, and what do we see? But blemishes of greed and the furrows of evil desires and the wrinkles of worry and the warts of sin. What did we agree to at the beginning of this worship service? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The greatest stressor, the greatest distress in our time and in our lives is our own sin. Daniel didn't fool around and he wasn't making things up when he reminded us that being a Christian doesn't mean living in this world wearing rose-colored glasses so that everything looks pink and pretty. No, he passes along to us a message he received from God. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations. Well, look around. Look into your own life. Look into your own heart. Do you think Daniel's words have come true? I do. Some days, don't we feel like crying out with Job? Only a few years will pass before I go on the path of no return. My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. This is a time of distress. Yes, we are dying creatures and sometimes it feels like we are simply living only to die. But in this vision, Daniel also sees angel armies at work protecting God's people who were scattered in exile in the Babylonian Empire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of that furnace and didn't have their clothes even smell like smoke. Daniel walked through a lion pride as though they were kittens. And at just the right time in history, God used his angel armies to raise up the Persian government to overthrow the Babylonians. 
And when their purpose had been served, and they demonstrated the continued following of pagan practices, God said to the Persians, okay, that's enough, and he raised up another world power. Through it all, God was working through the prince of the angels called and named Michael, sort of as his secret agent behind the scenes, protecting God's people and guaranteeing their status as his children. Sure enough, five centuries after the prophet Daniel had lived, those same angel armies were in a field outside of Bethlehem announcing, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. Throughout history, God has been shaping and moving time and history and people and nations using his angel armies and his own mighty powerful hand so that this day you and I are here knowing and believing that Jesus has delivered us from exile under God's anger and guaranteed our status as God's children. Listen to Daniel. At that time, the great prince who protects your people will arise. At that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Only saints get to have their name written in God's eternal book of life. Do you want to know if your name is in that book? Then ask yourself, has Jesus really paid for my sins? Well, you know the answer is yes. If your sins are covered by Jesus' blood, and they surely are, then your name is in his book of life. Then you have the status of being his saints. God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a flaming furnace. God has delivered us from the flames of hell. God delivered Daniel from the jaws of lions. God delivers us from the jaws of Satan. God delivered the Israelites from captivity in Babylon. He's delivered us from the captivity of sin. Look to God's deliverance and you'll have a whole new outlook, a whole new attitude about death and about the end of time, judgment day. Yes, we are dying creatures, but we're looking forward to living with God now and forever. We are dying to live. Daniel also gives us a peek at what will happen at the end of time, Judgment Day. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who spent their life avoiding God are going to suffer a horrible fate. On the last day, God will say to those people, okay, you wanted to live without me, now you're going to die without me forever. They will be under the sentence of perpetual divorce from God. Everlasting contempt, never-ending shame. I know that's a hard pill to swallow and difficult for people to understand who view God as only a kindly grandpa up in the clouds who pats people on the head and maybe occasionally slaps them on the wrist. But that's not how the Bible paints what our God is like. The same God who threw oceans of water over mountains to drown wicked and screaming world full of people. The same God who hurled fire at Sodom and Gomorrah for their perversity. The same God who allowed wicked Queen Jezebel to be tossed and eaten by wild dogs is the same God who still reigns in heaven above. So, where does that put us? When God on the last day, Judgment Day, assembles all people to line up in front of him and pronounces his decisions. And unlike the state of Florida, where decisions are sometimes unknown for a Senate seat, God's final decision is just that. Final. Take heart. Because you're covered by the blood of Jesus to forgive your sins. God's decision is in your favor. 
not guilty in his decision will stand all the way to judgment day. Look to God's decision in your favor and it'll change your whole outlook and attitude about death and the end of time. Yes, we are dying creatures, but we're looking forward to living with our God now and forever. We're just, we're just dying to live. Let's be honest about it. Death is the rudest enemy intruding on God's good creation. No one looks forward to death in general, unless, of course, you're very, very ill and in pain at the end of life. But generally speaking, no one looks forward to death. But we don't have to wonder what's on the other side. There's an old story about a man who was terminally ill and very afraid about dying. He poured out his feelings and his fears to a friend who had come to visit. And at first, his friend just sat there in silence, not knowing what to say. But then they heard a scratch at the door. His friend opened the door, and bounding in was his friend's beautiful dog, who was just glad to be there and to see his master. Had always gone for walks with his master and now glad to be there. The friend turned to the dying man and said, my dog has never been in your room. He did not know what it would be like in here, but he knew I was here, and that was enough for my dog. I'm looking forward to heaven. I don't know what it's completely all going to be like, but I know my Jesus is there, and that's enough for me. That's all I need. Unless Judgment Day occurs very soon, you and I will one day be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But we don't have to wonder what's on the other side or be worried about it because our Jesus is there. He's with us now and he'll be with us in eternity. And when we're with him in eternity, it's not like we're going to be sitting at his feet and he's scratching us behind our ears. No. Listen what Daniel says. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. Notice he calls you, he calls believers, those who are wise. That's got nothing to do with your IQ. I know some seven-day-old babies who are wiser than Ph.D. scholars because those Ph.D. scholars have rejected Jesus, but those little babies have faith planted in their hearts at their baptism. Do you know that you demonstrate that spiritual wisdom? Whenever you confess, I believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And do you realize that you not only can confess such wisdom here in worship, but every day when you interact and intersect with people in your lives and share with people who do not yet know their saint status, that they have that status thanks to Jesus. And when you are sharing that news and when you are doing that, you're standing shoulder to shoulder with the prophet Daniel and with Pastor Theodore Yakel, who's got a bronze plaque out in that entryway with this passage inscribed on the bottom. Because when you're sharing this news with people that they have saint status because of Jesus, then they too understand, as you do, that our depth is a step into dazzling glory. You'll be standing shoulder to shoulder with the prophet Daniel and Pastor Yakel when you do that. Yes, we are dying creatures. But when we think about that dazzling glory, it changes our whole attitude and outlook on death and the end. We're just 
dying to live. Death has been swallowed up in victory, the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians. Death has been swallowed up in victory. What imagery comes to your mind? What scenes? What pictures? Death has been swallowed up in victory. In my mind, what? Death is the mackerel and victory is the shark? Death is the mouse and victory is the roaring lion? Death is the Twinkie and victory is the 15-year-old teenage boy who swallows it whole? How about this one? Death is a nasty horse pill that someone puts on the back of his tongue and takes a glass of water and gulps it down. Is this too explicit? Are these scenes and this imagery too gross to talk about, maybe even think about? Or is it just the subject of death? Who wants to talk about or even think about death? Well, the reality is, every day, every step, every breath, every heartbeat, we're inching closer and closer to death. We are dying creatures. In many ways, it seems like we're living only to die. But can there be a new reality? Yes! We can have a whole new outlook and a whole new attitude about death and the end. Why? Because the Lord Jesus has swallowed the nasty horse pill of death so that we never will. And because of Jesus now, we're just, we're just dying to live with him forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.